Hi guys, Russell here. Uh, I've been wondering whether, you know, old fund managers should really come out of retirement. Uh, you know, and of course, it's very obvious why I've been wondering about this, because I'm thinking of doing it myself. Uh, so I've gone and looked at the sort of old fund managers that have retired and then come out of retirement to see how they've done and potentially look for like red flags or things that you should be worried about. Um, now, sometimes it works really well and sometimes it doesn't. Um, so, you know, talk about it a bit more. Now, the thing is, when we talk about fund managers, I really think there are two distinct type of fund managers. Um, the first type, which is the vast majority of fund managers, are probably closer to what I should we really should call product managers uh, or uh, index funds or long-only funds. So typically, they have a mandate to outperform or match some index uh, and actually extremely limited in the decisions that they can make. Uh, it, that may sound technical, but you generally recognize them from their communications with investors. They'll talk about tilts, they'll talk about underweights, they'll talk about overweights, and they'll talk about sharp ratios. Uh, these are This is how these sort of fund managers work. Um, and the problem with these guys is that, generally speaking, they're in direct competition with low-cost index trackers. Uh, and after fees, it is incredibly hard for them to outperform. Um, and, and so typically, these these, these type of funds that they manage are built around distribution platforms. So they're funds that are sort of sold to clients through uh, investing platforms of some sort or another. So the real value is in the distribution platform. There's not all that much value in what the fund manager is doing. And for these types of fund managers, when they retire, almost no one notices except for the, their colleagues, friends, and family. Um, and so we're not talking about these sort of guys because no one even cares when they retire. So why would you care if they came out of retirement? So there's really talking about the second type of fund manager. Uh, these guys tend to be far more aggressive. They take extreme views on markets. Um, and if they're any good, uh, gather a lot of media and market attention. The most famous of these would be Soros, uh, the man who broke the Bank of England. You also have Chainos, the guy who broke Enron, and Paulson, who broke subprime. Um, and for me, these these upper echelon of rock star fund managers are almost always uh, fund, you know, always fund managers that seem to make money when other people lose money. So they find where the problems are and they're able to exploit them. Why are they rock star? Why are they upper echelon? Well, the reality is, is that allocators love them because these guys are the ones that tend to save their careers during crises and tend to make uh, allocators' names as well. Uh, so if you can imagine during the GFC or any sort of crisis where markets tanked, if you're an allocator that had given some money to Paulson or whoever, uh, you were basically securing your position for another 10 years or so. And that is really what allocators want. That's why they love these guys and that's why they gather so much attention. Um, there is a sort of second tier of active fund managers who absolutely crush the market uh, from long investing. And no doubt Buffett and Munger are in that list. Um, and there's a whole range of other sort of famous investors of ranging quality. You have guys like Peter Lynch, very famous. Uh, Bill Miller, sort of famous as well. Anthony Bolton, Mark Woodford, very famous in the UK. These are all sort of extremely long-only investors, well, I would call them. Now, you may ask yourself, why do I rate Buffett and Munger below Soros? Um, 
And the thing is that for me, Buff and the Manga aren't really fun managers in, in so far as they don't face the risk of redemption. They don't need to go and sell a story to raise money. They've built this fantastic insurance-based conglomerate where they get the float. They also have huge tax benefits. And so for me, I, I rate Buffett and Munger as phenomenal businessmen and very, very, very good fund managers, but businessmen first. Um, whereas I see Soros as a phenomenal investor and fund manager. Um, and that's just sort of the way I look at it. So anyway, let's get back to, you know, should these rock star type of fund managers come out of retirement? Um, and this list is really not, is a non-exhaustive list. It's based on my experience and my memories of markets. So if we look at Soros, Soros, I think, as far as I know, has never really left uh, the market. He still keeps his eyes and he still does a really good job. Now, Chanos, who has just retired, he sort of did very well, did poorly. He launched a massive fund in 2016, which did very poorly uh, with an unbelievable fee structure. Uh, a lot of credit to him for getting that fee structure away. Um, but, you know, it hasn't really troubled the markets in the way they did back in the day. If we look at Paulson, fantastic uh, subprime trade in 2007-2008, but really hasn't troubled the market since and got some trouble with the Chinese frauds. Uh, and so you could potentially call both Chanos and Paulson one-trick pronies. And that is an insult, and, and it is an insult, that has been thrown at me from time, uh, from time to time. I prefer to think of myself as something close to a two-and-a-half-trick pony, uh, but, you know, I can see where people are coming from. Now, so we can exclude those ones for the moment. If we look at Anthony Bolton, uh, you may not have heard him, uh, but a very famous UK investor, he ran the Fidelity Special Situations Funds, which compounded well above the market for years. And as Apogee was one of the largest mutual funds outside of the US. Now, in 2007, he retired from this fund, handover management to a different fund manager, and then came out of retirement to launch a China Special Situations Fund. Now, at the, at the time, I thought this was very odd. Uh, but he came out and said he recognized many of the sort of value opportunities in China that he saw in the UK back in the sort of early 80s. Now, for me, I had my doubts. Uh, some of the stocks he was buying, I was very dubious about. Uh, and my experience was that China was a real policy-driven market. Uh, and so the quality of the company sometimes wasn't that important. Uh, now, in reality, this fund, it raised capital, but it didn't do that well. And eventually, he retired again in 2014. I think this is for the final time. So that coming out of retirement did not work. Now, Neil Woodford didn't exactly retire, but he left Invesco to set up his own firm called Woodford Investment Management. And at this new shop, Woodford Investment Management, one of the big things he was pushing was that UK tech companies and pharma companies, specifically unlisted ones, were severely undervalued. And so he was taking very liquid positions there with a view that they, he would crystallize value in the long run. He ran a risk there, of course, of that redemptions may uh, mean that he can't, uh, uh, can't crystallise value from these illiquid stocks before he had faced redemptions. Uh, so that was a risk. And the, 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 the thing that really struck me was that my understanding that his really mega trade in Invesco was buying into beaten up and depressed tobacco stocks back in the sort of you know, early 80s, 90s, just after the big litigation had gone through and said to him, look, you guys aren't allowed to market anymore what you got to do is just return all of that capital back to shareholders and that was a fantastic trade and he did apparently a great deal of the work to get the tobacco companies to agree that 
So BATS, which is a big UK-listed tobacco company, was a phenomenal investment through uh, you know the 2000s, uh, at least until 2015-16, and been poor since. I think it acquired a, another US tobacco company at the top, and it's not been so great. Uh, and so for me, there was a sort of change in strategy there that was a real big red flag, going from value investing, you know, good stories and liquid names to illiquid, sort of slightly speculative stocks. So that was a big red flag. I think the other big red flag for me is when he uh, set up Woodford Investment Management, he insisted on being uh, photographed in this tight-fitting jumper uh, uh, all the time. Um, not quite a turtleneck, but it was close enough to what Steve Jobs and Elizabeth Holmes of Heranos Infony were, uh, were wearing and perhaps suggested a sort of a little bit of overconfidence in his own ability and potentially midlife crisis. Um, so those are sort of ones that didn't work out so well. There are some other fund managers that I know uh, uh, who are very good that have come back. Uh, recently, we've seen Greg Coffey, who stepped away from managing the GLG Emerging Market Fund in 2008 to now set up his new firm, uh, Kirk Coswold, which apparently is doing very well uh, from what I hear. And there's Martin Taylor, who's very successful at Thames River Nevsky. He retired from markets in 2010, 10, but has recently returned in 2019 with Craig Asset Management. I can't give you any details on how they're doing. All I know is they're still operating. So they've obviously managed to keep it going for a few years. And my assumption is both of them doing well. Um, so we've got like a limited number of fund managers we can look at who have retired and then returned. So we've got to be you know, tentative about the conclusions we can make. Um, what I would say is red flags for returning uh, would be any sort of uh, a fund manager suffering from some sort of midlife crisis, trying to capture something from their youth. I think that would, any sort of vanity type thing, that's a massive red flag. I think the other red flag is if they're changing their investment styles radically to something they haven't done before. I think that would also be a red flag. So what does that mean for, mean for me? Well, I'm sort of looking at that we're changing back to a sort of 50s and 60s style environment, which is a completely different to how I've seen the world or how the world was. Um, and so I am changing my style a bit. It's not completely, it's still sort of macro thinking about markets and trying to take in the lessons of recent years. But certainly, you know, I am doing things differently to how I've done. So that is, you know, a concern. Um, the other thing is, am I suffering from a midlife crisis? You know, well, when I look in the mirror and I see myself dressed like this, I think absolutely no problem. I must be doing fantastically well. No, that, that's a joke. This is an old photo, but, you know, I like to joke. Um, so, you know, should I come out of retirement? Should I set up a fund? I... You know, I, I sort of mixed emotions about it, which I think is good. But I'm looking at the markets. I'm looking at how people are acting and what's going on. And the logic of it seems like it's it's a bit compelling, to be honest with you. Uh, it's not a vanity project. It just looks like there's something there that looks interesting to me. So looking at the lessons from other fund managers who have come out of retirement and looking at what the market is saying to me, I think it makes sense. Anyway, that was just sort of a stream of consciousness. I hope that's interesting. Stay safe. We'll talk again soon. Ciao.